0: All right, well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and I'm part of our preaching team. I also have the privilege of serving as one of the elders. Uh, we have a group of elders. There's nine of us that provide the big picture oversight to the church. Four of us are staff pastors and five of the guys are not on staff. They've just volunteer and they serve the, the church by uh, shepherding and by caring and by praying and by providing guidance and accountability and support and that sort of thing. We just had an elder retreat for the last couple days. It was really sweet. Uh, we had a great time together. It's fun to have uh, people that you're serving with, but you actually just like hanging with. And we had a great time. And it was fun as we prayed for you. And as we talked about the church, it was just really sweet to hear how much that these elders, they, they delight in you and they love you and they believe that God's doing really cool things among you. And so I just wanted to give you that update. Uh, We're really grateful for you as an elder team and uh, thankful for the way God is working uh, today we 're studying isaiah fifty five and this is a passage that I have loved for a long, long time. I actually about a little over twenty years ago, I was in a, a friend 's wedding I was a groomsman, uh, one of my longest friends and he asked all the groomsmen uh, before the wedding i didn 't really know why he was asking for like a favorite passage and then uh, for the gift that he got for his groomsman, he gave each of us a Bible. And the Bible is engraved, uh, inscribed with that passage that we put. So on my Bible uh, here that he gave me, it says Isaiah 55. So I've had this uh, passage in my heart for a long, long time. The only problem with this Bible is he also put our initials on it. And my uh, full name is Luke Dean Simmons, which which means it actually says LDS Isaiah 55. And it's kind of thick. So it's It's sort of confusing to carry it around in public, so I just keep it at home, uh, but it's a nice memento. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm not LDS, so I didn't want to send mixed signals. But, I, but I've, I've loved this passage for a long, long time. Uh, so today, getting to preach this, if this feels like the first time you get to show your teenagers Tommy boy or dumb and dumber, you know, like this thing that's been deep in your heart for a long time. And finally, you get to share it with those you love. So that's kind of what this is like. So uh, just to let you know where, where we've been, where we are, where we're going, uh, as Patrick said, this is the last Sunday of our series, The Servant King. We've looked at Isaiah 40 through 55, looked at how God has brought his people Israel out of exile in Babylon through this suffering servant and how that's a picture of how God is taking us as his people out of exile from Satan, sin and death and into a new creation by removing our sin through the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. We saw in Isaiah 53 that that Jesus was this foreshadowed servant, the one who was pierced for our transgressions, the one who was crushed for our iniquities, that all we like sheep had gone astray, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's what we approach this weekend. That's why we wanted to do this series as we headed into Easter, because we thought, what a way to prepare our hearts for Easter. And so this weekend, as we said, we're going to have Good Friday services. It'll be in this room. We'll actually be in the round this time, and uh, we'll be reflecting on the uh, the cross of Jesus and how the cross uh, really has impacted a number of uh, our lives in a a pretty cool way. So we'll talk about that Friday. Then we'll celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then the week after that, we're going to start a brand new series through Romans chapter 8 called Life in the Spirit. It. Romans 8 is kind of the touchdown spike of the Bible. It's one of the best passages in all of Scripture, I think. And uh, really what people, uh, people realize that the end of it's about the triumph and the victory we have in Christ. What they don't really realize is that everything leading up to that's about the Spirit of God that actually is who gives us the triumph. And so we're going to spend about seven weeks just walking very slowly through Romans chapter 8, and uh, I think it'll be really, really great. So uh, that's where we're headed today, Isaiah 55. We pray with me. Father, uh, we come to you today hungry and thirsty. Some of us know it. We know the pain we've been in, we know the loss we've experienced, we know the things we've tried that didn't pan out, we know the things we were satisfied in for a while until they couldn't deliver anymore. God, we, we know we're hungry. God, others, uh, if they stop long enough to think about it, they'd know they're hungry, but they're just so preoccupied. So God, would you break through wherever we are as you invite us to come and enjoy you? God, this passage tells us to listen diligently, to incline your ear, to hear that our souls may live. So that's what we want to do. We want to hear your voice. Would you please speak to us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, the title of this message is God's Great Invitation. This passage is a, is a passage of invitation. The first word of it is come, right? It's, a, it's an invitation. And anytime I get an invitation, uh, I love being invited to stuff. It's so cool when people, you know, they're going to do something neat and they think of you and they send you an invite. Uh, what's frustrating is when they send you an invite, but they don't tell you any of the information that would be required to be able to actually take them up on the offer, right? So when I send an invite, I, I like to be almost like overly, annoyingly detailed about uh, here's what it is, here's why you're invited, here's who's invited, here's where it is, here's how, here's the time, here's all the information, and so maybe you've got an invitation that, that looks something uh, like this, where it's, it's sort of laid out with, you know, where, when, what, like this, like this, like this, nope, okay. Uh, anyway, you've seen invitation before, you know, you know what, what, what they look like. So that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to look at this today, is just uh, is walk through the invitation that this is. We're going to look at, at, at what, why, who, when, and where. What is this invitation? Why are we invited? Who's it for? When is it happening? Where is it happening? That's what we're going to look at. So the first thing we're going to see is what, what, what is this that we're invited to? We are invited, the what is to feasting on God. You're invited today, through Isaiah 55, to feast on God, to eat and to drink deeply of God. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This invitation to come, come, you're invited. Well, what does it mean to, to come He says in verse two, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? Here's how you come. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me Hear, that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Come, listen. If you come and you listen, you'll experience the waters, right? You ever have a day when you're out mowing the grass or or uh, working on the pool, or uh, you just, you know, after exercising outside, going on a long walk, and you get that sip of the cold water. It's like, oh. He's saying, yeah, I want to give you that. I want to give you that. Come to the waters. There's wine and milk, these pictures of abundance. This is a picture of, of rich food. It says in the end of verse two, delight yourselves in rich food, live. There's an everlasting covenant. This is, this is there's a richness to this. Um, the way I think about this is, is we're often satisfied with so little and God's saying, I want you to have so much more, right? When I was a kid, after you would play a game like soccer or baseball or something, right? Some, there'd be a team mom, someone would bring a snack and uh, usually it'd be like some chopped up oranges. Be like, here, everybody have like a couple slices of oranges. And you were like, this is awesome. This is great. If you were really lucky, you'd get it like a Capri Sun. Uh, have any of you been to a youth game lately? Cause now they don't, that's not no now, they give you a paper bag with a five course meal in it, like here everyone have your igloo cooler filled with appetizers, main dish, everything you could need. I mean like it's insane. It's like everyone went crazy at Costco and decided to prove that they're the best parent on the team or something, right? And it's like like I, I would have been okay with this, but but wow this is like five course meal bag. I, yes, I want that. That's what God's saying. He's saying, I got a big meal for you. I got abundance. I got more than you think you need. That's what I want you to have. Well, how do we we come? We come by listening. What does it mean to listen? Well, he continues in verse six. Look at verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That means to pursue, to go hard after. Call upon him, While he is near, so so coming to the Lord, listening to the Lord is a kind of seeking the Lord. It's a calling upon the Lord. What what else does it include? Verse seven: Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So, so to accept this invitation is to listen to the Lord. It's to believe what he says. So there's faith involved, but there's also repentance. And really, the word repent isn't used, but but verse seven is like the perfect picture of what it is to repent, right? If you're going to enjoy God, you have to repent and believe. Well, verse seven is like exactly what repentance, right? Let the wicked forsake his way. So the wicked is going towards sin, going towards selfishness, going toward idolatry, going this way. And instead of continuing down that path, repentance is you forsake it. You forsake that way, you forsake that way of thinking, and you return to the Lord. You move toward the Lord. Why? Because look at what it says. That he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, when we think about Jesus, God in the New Testament, we think of this, compassion. Jesus saw people and he had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. He, he touched. He had a word. He, had, he, he was compassionate. But, but when we think of the Old Testament, like sometimes people will say, oh man, I feel like I need to go Old Testament on these people, right? And it's like, what? <laughs> nobody that's saying, I'm about to go Old Testament on them is like, I'm about to get really compassionate. Nobody thinks that. But here's what I want you to see. This is the Hebrew scriptures. This is the Old Testament. And this is God saying, here's who I am. If you'll come to me, if you'll listen, if you'll repent, I I would love to do something for you. I'd love to have compassion on you and abundantly pardon you to give you this satisfaction, to give you this life, to give you this everlasting covenant, to have everything you could ever need with me. What are we invited to? We're invited today to feast on God. And this invitation is repeated. Jesus repeats it. In John chapter 7, John chapter 7, there's a feast. And on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. There's a lot of places Jesus taught. There's a lot of places Jesus spoke. Here he cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, I am Yahweh of Isaiah 55. Come. Come to the waters. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, come. We're invited to feast on him. Jesus is the water of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the satisfaction that we need. And then you get all the way to the very last chapter of the Bible. And in the last chapter of Revelation, there's an echo of Isaiah 55. Look at it, Revelation 22:17. 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Which sounds exactly like the end of verse one. Come, by wine and milk without money and without price. What are you invited to today? You're invited to feast on God. All right, why? Why should you come? Why should you take this invitation? Here's why, to satisfy God your hungry soul, to satisfy your hungry soul. Like we prayed a moment ago, some of us know we're hungry. We've tried it. We've, we've looked for love in all the wrong places. We looked for satisfaction. We pursued thing after thing after thing after thing, and we realized, like, this didn't work. Others of us, we, we still, we're still hungry. We're still thirsty. We're still like, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be something. What is it? Look at what St. Augustine said. He said this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. You were made by God and you were made for God. But here's the thing. We live as though we're gonna be satisfied by everything but God. And then we're like, how come it's not working? Because you weren't made for that. You were made for God. And so therefore you're restless. Your soul is hungry. uh, Nothing's quite clicking. It's restless till it rests in God. Or consider this thought from Bruce Marshall. This is profound. The young man who rings the bell at the brothel is unconsciously looking for God. Our sin, get this, our sin isn't just wrong. It's actually a seeking. It's a thirsting. It's a, it's a, it's a hungering. It's a pursuing. And we're looking for God, but we ah, just I'm finding him everywhere else. So I've been reflecting on this and on my life and what I see around us. I think perhaps the defining characteristic of our age might be self-medication. Like if you go, what are we all actually doing most of the time? We're self-medicating. Because life's hard and life's painful. And we thought it was going to be up here. And instead it's down here. We thought it was going to be up and to the right. And at best, it's like real choppy water. And so we spend a lot of time medicating, right? We, we do it in lots of different ways. Not all of them are inherently sinful, but when they're, when they're looking for something that we can only find in God, it starts to like veer towards sinful, right? So, so shopping is something. You know how you feel better after you press buy, right? And then that package shows up on your porch from Amazon and it's like, ooh, this is gonna be good. They got it here in seven minutes. Right, and you open it and it's fine. But it was made in China. It's going to break in about 10 minutes. You know, like, you go, yeah. But, but man, there's something about that pursuit when you're doing the shopping. It's like, oh, this, this is going to feel great. Some of the self-medication isn't shopping. Some of it's scrolling. It's interesting, to me, the social media companies, without maybe even consciously realizing it, know that you have and I have a infinite hunger that we're trying to fill. And so do you know what they offer? Infinite scrolling. That's what they call it. You can scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and you can do that and hours and hours and hours go by. And you finish it and you feel worse. You feel less happy, but you're looking. Maybe this will be the funny thing. Maybe this will be the interesting thing. Maybe this will be the ticket. Shopping, it's scrolling. It's Sometimes it's drinking. you turning to alcohol or turning to painkillers or other actual medications to self-medicate where it's like, you know what, it's been hard. Things are difficult. I deserve a drink. And one drink eventually after a while becomes a drink every day. And after a while, eventually a drink every day becomes a couple drinks every day. And it just goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And you, and you would never in a million years actually consciously believe that alcohol is going to like give you satisfaction, but it's just going to help numb the pain for a little bit. Fantasizing. If I just had that house, if I just lived in that place, if I was with that person, if I was not with this person. It's Netflixing. That's a word I'm making up today Netflixing. You know, just that kind of endless scrolling, numbing mind. Like, get this, I have, I have Netflix, I have TV, I watch TV. Not a no TV guy. And, and there are times you're like, man, it just would be great to zone out. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. But that becomes like a, a way of life. Your whole life, you're zoned out. A lot of us, we self-medicate through eating. Right? There's feasting and there's fuel. But a lot of us use food for something different than that. It's to find life. And it's to find, like we have a whole category called comfort food. Life hard, life difficult, right? And and these are, we self-medicate. And what it's saying is, you're hungry. You're thirsty. And and the problem isn't that you're too hungry and too thirsty. It's actually that you're not thirsty enough. Look at what C.S. Lewis, how he describes this. He says, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. (laughs) That's a wild thought. In all of our shopping and our scrolling and our eating and our Netflixing and our fantasizing and everything, it's actually too weak. He says we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Maybe you've had the experience like I have where you make an amazing meal and you serve it to your children and they're like, can I have some chicken nuggets? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Here it is. It's, it's verse two. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food see the problem is not that our desire is too strong it's that it's too weak and we're too easily satisfied on things that can't satisfy and 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 redemption gateway this is what I want for you this is what I want for me I want to maximize our joy I want quality joy like it's so good and it's so pure and it's so filling and it's so delightful that's what I want Is that what you want I want quality joy. And I want quantity. I want a lot of it for a long time. And and this is saying everywhere that we're looking for it can't give you that. It can't give me that. God says, come to me. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. So why? Because you got a hungry soul. So do I. Let's come. And feast on the Lord. All right, who? Who's invited? Who's invited? Everyone who thirsts. <laughs> See verse one? Come, everyone who thirsts. Do you thirst? Yeah, you do. But you gotta go, yeah, 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 I thirst. But are you sure this is really for me? You might go, but I, I can't pay for this. Right, like, like God is way up here and I'm way down here and I've done a lot of stuff that I know God wouldn't like. Like, I've never read the whole Bible, and I don't know everything, but I know that God doesn't like the stuff I've been doing. And if I'm going to have any chance to, like, get near a God that's that, like, big and holy, I better, I'm going to have to start paying my dues. And you go, I don't think I can do it. And, and God here says, so? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't afford this. So? It's free. Look at verse 1. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Now get this, it's not free, it's free to you. It did cost something. It cost Jesus tremendously. Jesus died for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. Upon his was the chastisement that brings us peace and with his wounds we're healed. But listen friends, for you and me, this is free. You can't earn your way. You can't pay it back. You just have to receive this. You say, okay, I'm thirsty, but I don't know if this is for me because I'm kind of an outsider. Like I saw earlier in the service when Patrick asked about who, who uh, grew up in a thing where there was palm branches. And I'm like, what's a palm, what, what do palm branches have to do with church? I, I'm so confused. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. Never read the Bible. I don't get this stuff. God, is this for me? Don't I have to be more religious? And God says, you're an outsider, so what? I'm bringing you in. Look at at verse three. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast true love for David. Here's what he's saying. I made a covenant back then with David, King David, the king of Israel, and I'm gonna let you in on it. The covenant I made with him, I'm actually grafting you into it. Verse four, behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. Right, he's talking to Israel. He's saying nations that you don't know, they're gonna come. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God. So in other words, you know who we are in this story? We're all those other nations. You know, I feel like an outsider. God says, perfect. Because I didn't didn't come to call the, the healthy. I came to call the sick you say, but I'm sinful. And God says, so what? You think I didn't know that when I invited you? Here's what he says. I'll pardon you. Verse seven, let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Come, this includes you. I've shared this with you before. There's a church in Nashville that I have respect for the leaders there, and they have a, a mantra that they've actually printed up on cards. Here's the Emmanuel mantra: "I'm a complete idiot. My future is incredibly bright. Anyone can get in on this. Amen." Right. Uh, this is what he's saying. I, yes, I've I've sought after all these things that can't satisfy. I'm an idiot. I was offered the fountain of living waters, and instead I'm I'm eating sand. I'm an idiot. But my future is incredibly bright because I've, God's had compassion. I turned from that. I trusted him. He's had compassion. He's pardoning. And anyone can get in on this. You're invited. Everyone who thirsts. All right. Well, when? When is this thing happening? When are you invited to come? Now. Now. Look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's now, right? Now you're hearing God's voice in the scriptures. Now the spirit is touching your heart. Now the the Lord is awakening you to the reality that all the things you've been looking for, you can't actually get in this world. Now, right? Now it's fresh. Now God's stirring. Now he's near. Now he may be found. Don't wait. Because here's what I know, sin is deceitful. And so you'll, you'll leave here today and you'll go get back in your life and go get back in your world and, and and you'll be tempted to think, yeah, I don't know, like, I'll get around to it. You want to spend one more night with the frogs? There's a spot in Exodus 8 where uh, God's trying to get the attention of Pharaoh Pharaoh has been holding the people of Israel captive in Egypt and uh, they've been enslaved and Moses has been saying, hey, God wants you to let his people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so God says, okay, I'll show up in power and do some things that are going to really bother you. One of which is he sends like mountains of frogs. (laughs) They're everywhere. They're in Pharaoh's house. It says they're in his bed. They're kind of frogs everywhere, right? Like, ew. Okay. And Moses, you know, shows up and is like, hey, Pharaoh, at any point, if you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you, and these frogs will go away. And you know what Pharaoh says? Pharaoh says, Moses goes, when do you want me to pray for you? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Which just baffles me. You want one more night with the frogs? How about like now, please? Like right this very second. No, do it tomorrow. Why do you want another night with the frogs? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but man, a drink sounds really good right now. And I could just, you know, maybe I can do that and follow the Lord. You know, I got this big thing coming up. You know, maybe someday when we have kids, I'll, I'll get more serious about my faith. Maybe someday when I've got more time. Maybe someday when my career's not so busy, then I'll really seek the Lord. No, no, no. Seek him while he may be found. Seek him while he is Near, don't spend one more night with the frogs. So when? Now. Also, this is good news, now and forever. (laughs) Seek him forever. Feast on God forever. This passage tells us not just to seek him now, but that we're gonna experience him forever. Look at verse three. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Everlasting, going on forever and ever. Then in verses 12 and 13, he's describing the new heavens and the new earth. He says, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. An everlasting covenant, an everlasting sign. When do you get to feast on God? Now and forever. And Isaiah's been talking about this through this whole section we've been looking at. Look at what he says in Isaiah 45, 17. Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation, same Hebrew word. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity, same Hebrew word. Isaiah 51, verse six. For the heavens vanish like the smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. A few verses later, the ransom to the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. That's what I want for us. That's what God wants for us. Everlasting joy. And what does that look like? They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Oh, Lord. Let your kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. Don't you want your sorrow and your sighing to flee away? Joy to take its place. All right, well, where is all this gonna happen? Where does this take place? Where do we feast on God forever? Answer is in the new creation. In the new creation, that's what's described in verses 12 and 13, right? What a picture, right? The mountains, and hills breaking forth into singing. The trees clapping their hands. Instead of thorns and briars, there's cypress and myrtle. These are trees that are fruitful and kind of wildly uh, beautiful. And, and he's saying, this is an everlasting sign. You're going to have the new creation. All right, so, so th- th- this, is, this is kind of a hobby horse thing for me because there's a, there's a few like half-truths that a lot of people, even in our church, believe And the half-truth isn't wrong, it's just incomplete. And I have this burden, oh friends, I have this burden to have you embrace the whole truth, right? This is like, uh, I have a friend who, he had a a buddy who had won three gold medals and a silver in the Olympics, and so he would introduce them and he'd say, hey, you gotta meet my friend, he won a silver medal in the Olympics poor guy. I mean, like, what are you going to be like? Well, actually I won three golds, right? Like what a terrible thing to do, but it was true. He won a silver in the Olympics, right? But it was like half true. Like was an incomplete truth. All right. So here's the incomplete truth. The incomplete truth is Christians will go to heaven when they die. All right. That's true. Praise God. That's a silver medal. You get a silver medal. Like, yeah, way to go. Silver medal. Awesome. Christians will go to heaven when they die. But that's incomplete. That's not the end of the story. Here, here's the full truth. Here's the gold medal truth, All right, Is after that, heaven's gonna come to earth and God's gonna make all things new and you'll live in a resurrected body on this resurrected earth forever. That's the gold medal, amen? And so we gotta get rid of this silver medal truth. Yes, of course, you, if you trust in Jesus, you, you go to heaven when you die. That's what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul writes, this, to, be, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the false story is verses 12 and 13. Right? The reason the creation is broken is because of human sin. And so God isn't gonna junk the creation because of our sin. He's gonna, after he makes us new from our sin, he's gonna make the creation new. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine Hawaii? made new like holy smokes this is the hope all right you're invited this is a great truth but the question becomes this is this for real like is this too good to be true because you know what we say right if it sounds too good to be true probably is and there's a reality in which I go, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, in, in this world, nothing does satisfy. And so, if you're just used to looking for satisfaction in everything and you can't get it, why would, why would this be any different? Right? You go, no one's this good. No one's this kind. No one's such a perfect combination of like holy and morally pure and righteous and gracious and forgiving. Nobody's like that. This must be too good to be true. And God says, in your world, maybe, but don't just look at your world, look at me. Look what he says in verse eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Usually when you hear this verse quoted by people, it's, it's them talking about, it's like an anchor for dealing with suffering. Like, you know, I'm going through a really hard time, you know, but God's thoughts are not my thoughts. God's ways are higher than my ways. That's true, but that's not what this verse is about because right before it, he says, return to the Lord and he'll abundantly pardon you, which you would go as a wicked sinner. Come on, too good to be true. And so the next verse God says, but my thoughts are higher than yours and I operate differently than you and I have way better stuff than you could ever imagine. This is our God. God's ways are higher. You can't out his grace. I shared this story uh, some months ago, I think uh, maybe once when we were doing communion. So a few of you may have heard this, some of you maybe haven't heard this, but um, when I was in college, I played baseball and uh, we would travel a good bit on weekends. And a lot of times we just do fast food or Subway or whatever, but sometimes we get to go to a sit down restaurant and whenever we'd go sit down restaurant, I mean, there'd be like 30 or 35 people in our whole like crew, right? So you'd, you'd go and the coaches before you went in, they'd be like, all right, listen, it's $12 and a drink, no more, right? So you'd go in and you'd sit down and you'd look at the menu and you'd figure out what's the maximum amount of food I can get for eleven ninety nine. right? And that's what you'd order. And uh, it was great. It felt like, wow, at least we're not at like, you know, Arby's, this is awesome. So, uh, but uh, in the last year, Molly and I got invited by this guy who just has a big heart for pastors, doesn't come to our church, isn't part of redemption, um, but just loves pastors, loves pastors and their families, realizes the last few years have been hard on people in leadership. And he just said, I just want to bless all of you. And so he uh, arranged for about a dozen pastors from Phoenix to go out to this really uh, great dinner. And he wasn't at the dinner, um, but he said, Hey, I'm covering it all and just have a great time. And so we sit down at this dinner and, um, the server comes and informs us, "Hey, just so you know, um, because we've reserved this whole thing for, for this like couple of hours, uh, the minimum that you have to spend is twenty four hundred dollars." Now, Mister So and So has it covered, but you have to spend at least twenty four hundred dollars, and tip doesn't isn't included. So we went what world am I in right now, right? And this was a place where like, you could get a nice like steak dinner for like 50 bucks. So this wasn't like Ruth's Chris, right? This is like, so we, everybody orders an appetizer. A couple appetizers are really good. So we order a few more. We're like, hey, this is great. Everybody gets like the nicest thing they could want. Uh, nobody drank water. Uh, you know, we, uh, we just gorge ourselves, right? The server comes and says, uh, I just wanna let you know you're $800 short. This is not a problem I've ever had before, right? And it's like, okay. So we're going, okay, who wants dessert? Everybody. Who wants a dessert to take home? Everybody, right? So after we order everybody two desserts, they come back and they're like, okay, uh, $650 to go, right? And this is like, so everyone left with lots of leftovers and bottles of things and we figured it out, right? But here's what I want to tell you. Most of us have a view of God. that we go, well... God's not like McDonald's or Arby's. He's like a sit-down place. But it's 12 bucks and a drink. And you better not go over. Because if you go over, God's going to be ticked. And what I want to tell you today, God is so much bigger than that. God is like, you can't even, you can order everything on the menu and it's, you can't get there. That's our God. His ways are higher than our ways. So come to him. Delight yourselves in rich food. Why spend our money on that which is not bread? Why labor for that which does not satisfy? But let's incline our ear and come to him and listen that our souls may live. That we might delight ourselves in the richest affair. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we want to come to you today. For those of us that know you, we want to come back to you. We want to return to you. God, for those that this is the first time that they've been stirred to trust you, God, I pray that they would come to you today, that they would put their faith in you today, that they would forsake their wicked ways and return to the Lord, that you would have compassion, that you would abundantly pardon. God, we can't begin to reach the full extent of your grace. And we come to this without money, without price, Because Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. We bring our history. We bring our sin. We bring our sorrows. And Lord Jesus, you pick up the tab. And say, all the drinks are on me. So God, we come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.